Hey, this is Christine Lakin. I'm here with Elias. We are talking on the Man Cave Chronicles, and I'm stoked to be in the cave. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, boo. You're A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the Man Cave, your host, Elias. Christine, welcome to the cave. Why, thank you. Always happy to be in a cave. <laughs> if, doesn't it feel I'm like you've been be, in a cave for a year? Yes, right? it's true. This is my, this is my, uh, my room feels a little bit like a cave, which has become my room, my office, the place I do laundry, the place I do yoga. It's like all the things, the place I work, take meetings. Right. Sure. Chase the kids <laughs> around. Chase the kids around. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean like i said i mentioned earlier i've been looking forward to talking to you the listeners of viewers know you from the acting world as al from step by step how many 30 years ago 30 years ago can you believe uh, it i mean and, it's uh, not when i tell people that i've been in this business for over 30 years i think they don't know how to respond some of them are like huh like what like first of all i think they go how old are you and secondly, they're like, wait a minute, hold on. Like, what, like, when did you start? Were you a child? What's happening? You know, because <laughs> it's, yeah, it's crazy to think that you've been doing something for more than half your life. Well, more than half your life. Like, not only that, you've nuts. done acting, you've done directing, producing, choreography, voiceover, your family. How do you keep up with all this? <sighs> That's a great question, isn't it? Um, you know, I think like, when I was in my maybe late twenties or early thirties, I always knew that for me, it, there was going to be more than acting. I had, um, I had a drive to create my own stuff. I wanted to, I wanted to write, produce, direct. Like that was always something that was like in the zeitgeist of my mind. And then other opportunities just sort of fell in my lap. Like the choreography yeah. thing was never something I was necessarily intent on doing, but um, I had this dance background. I, I was, you know, a competitive dancer before I was even on Step by Step. Um, and it, I was doing it for my theater company. And I oh, wow. got pulled into a movie musical called Reefer Madness. And I worked for the choreographer there. And then she brought me on to another movie called You Again. And I was working with these very big stars, actors, actresses. Oh. Um, and I realized I had, I had a, like a, a shorthand way of communicating dance to people who are not necessarily dancers by trade. So I had this kind of like, like, um, I guess, uh, I, I, uh, shorthand way of, of, of a, being able to make people feel very comfortable, um, with something that maybe they weren't comfortable doing. Um, wow. and by doing so I could kind of like manipulate, all right, well, I can see what your strengths are and we can manipulate how this is going to work. And I know what the camera is going to do. And, oh, you want to do that instead? Okay. Like I had all of this knowledge that I didn't necessarily know I had. And I just kind of kept getting hired and hired and hired. And it was like, it was like my side gig. It was my side yeah. hustle. Wow. And I was doing it all, all over town on lots of different shows. And the Goldbergs asked me season one and I became their little, you know, their resident choreographer. And I was working with those kids when they were kids, like they were little <laughs> right. kids and now they're grown adults. And, Anyway, I had no idea that that job was going to be the thing that eventually helped me transition my career to do what I really wanted to do, um, which is direct. Um, 
And it, but it did. And it still is. It's still part of my because people be like, oh, you're an actor. That's great. You know, you know how to talk to actors. That's wonderful. But there's a lot of actors that want to direct. How do we know you really understand mm. timing, movement, um, shot listing? How do we know you understand these things? Well, a choreographer's brain is very similar. So that's just like a one example of me saying yes to the, what the universe was offering me. And, you know, I didn't know how it was going to pay dividends. So it was really chaotic there for a long time. <laughs> I was like <laughs> choreographing, going on an audition, working this job, going to voiceover. Like I was like, nah, like all over the place, but I just kept saying yes. What, yeah. Say yes. Why not? And then I had kids and I had to say no a little more because <laughs> yeah. I just didn't have the bandwidth anymore. You know, you know like so. you mentioned earlier, you know, like, you know, I have, uh, I work full time. I do the show on the side. I have two kids. It's like, it doesn't stop. Like you said, yeah. it doesn't stop. It's, it's hard, especially I think when you, especially when you have kids, because it's a constant juggle. I mean, I have one napping right now. So, you know, if I hear him, there might be a pause. I'm just That's okay. <laughs> like, a, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing what I can. Yeah. Um, and I have a very supportive husband, but he also has his own career too. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I think if, if this year, you know, juggling all the things and doing most of it at home and not having a lot of help has taught us all anything, it's that um, you have to just be present in the moment and whatever you're doing. Right. And uh, you can't, you just can't think too far ahead. Mm-hmm. So. so, so how did you, how did you start in the acting world? I mean, I know you started step-by-step step at 12, but like what pushed it, what like gave you an idea? Okay. This is what I think I want to do. Well, um, like I, you know, like I said, with choreography, like with acting, I kind of fell into the business side. So okay. I'm an only child. Um, I was the kid that at age three was standing, you know, we had this little like lip of on our fireplace and it looked like a tiny stage. And I was the kid that was on that fireplace, like putting on a show for my parents and their friends or for my grandparents, whether they wanted it or not. I was like, no, it's, <laughs> it's six o'clock. Here's the show. And I was bringing out, you know, the Annie record player with the microphone. And I, I knew all the words to Annie and I was going to perform no matter if anyone was watching me or not. So I think for me, I was just, I was born that way. Um, I was born a performer and my parents are not performers. My parents are not in the business and nor were they trying to push me into anything. And I remember my being very young and people would say to my mom, oh, your child's photogenic or she takes direction well, or Mm. she looks like she's five when she's really eight. And that's such a benefit because you can play these younger roles, but take direction and understand like what the director wants. And you should really get her into commercials. You should get her into this. My mom's like, I am not about being a stage parent. And I don't like, no, but you get told that so many times, there's only so much you can do. And like, we moved to Atlanta when I was six, my parents wanted me to find friends and get plugged into a community. And we went to a dance school where I had already been taking dance. And I said, what's acting? What's that class on the, on the board? And my mom said, well, it's where you play different characters. And I'm like, oh my God, like Carol Burnett. Carol Burnett was my idol at six years old. And I, my mom was like, yeah, kind of like Carol Burnett. I'm like, I got to do it. I want to do it. Like, please let me do it. I was the kid begging my mom. So okay. So I started in these acting classes and after two or three, the teacher says, you know, your daughter would be really good. Mom was like, I've heard this line before. (laughs) And by that point I am asked, I am begging my mom, please let me try. Please let me do this. I want to do this. This is so fun for me. I am like, I'm in my element. It's like a kid who can't stop hitting a, you know, a ball against the the garage, you know? 
so she's like, okay. So we go on a couple auditions. It's like literally zero pressure. The stakes couldn't be lower. Go on a couple dishes. Don't even have headshots. Don't even have representation. And I book like two or three national commercials. Wow. My parents are like, well, maybe we should actually research how to do this. And that's kind of what started. So I'm in Atlanta. Wow. I'm doing that at age eight. I'm doing, I get involved in a children's theater company. We're doing shows all across the metro Atlanta area at different schools. And in the summertime, we would go to Callaway Gardens, which is a resort in South Georgia, and do shows for the families that would come. And so we're down in Callaway Gardens. I'm, you know, 10 or 11. And uh, there happens to be um, a, a well-known 90s actor at the time. He came down there and with a group of kids from Make-A-Wish Foundation. They did a camp there every summer. And his mother at the time wanted to maybe start a management company or an agency. She wasn't sure. Saw me doing this ridiculous show, um, playing this ridiculous character, which by the way, I was like, I hate this song that I have to perform. I, you know, I'm, I'm 10 and I'm like, Oh God, uh, I hate this song. But what do you do? You give it a hundred percent. So she comes up to my mom. She says, I don't know if you're ever in LA, but here's my number. Maybe we can keep in touch. I mean, this seems like the most far-fetched dream in the world. A year goes by, they keep in touch. She says, why don't you just send me like a demo tape? Now this is like 1990. So there's no iPhone, there's no internet. You're having to go like downtown to a cable access station and tape yourself doing some monologue, you know, in front of a blue like sheet and then transfer it to some weird tape and send it literally tape to Los Angeles, which is what we did because she needed something to show a producer somewhere. So I would get a call, come home from school. They're like, so the manager called, uh, there's this show. They're looking for a character. I was the last character cast. They had cast another actress and it didn't work out. And they had all these people lined up, Suzanne Summers, Patrick Duffy, um, Stacey Keenan, all everyone was lined up except mm-hmm. for the character Val. And the producers saw my tape. Oh, wait, let me back up one. Right before that was my spring break. And my mom decided to take me to L.A. A, we could meet this manager who we'd been sending these massive tapes to. <laughs> B, all of my friends had a different spring break than me in my drama group because they went to a different school. And I, they were all going to Los Angeles. And I was wow. so jealous. And my mom said, don't be jealous. I will take you. You will not miss out on a thing. We will go, you and me. And my mom had had a health scare, which is a whole other thing. Um, she'd had a brain aneurysm the year before. Oh, it was very scary for our family. And, um, and she came through it. And I think that it was just a real kind of inspirational moment of, we don't know how much time we have. And I want to give, I want to create memories and I want to give her everything that, you know, we can do. And she clearly wants to do this stuff. So I give my mom a lot of credit for that. Came out to LA. I'm going to like Universal Studios. We're staying at the Hilton. I'm like eating sour cream and onion potato chips. I'm like, life is amazing. And (laughs) a 12 year old, right? Oh my God. Are you kidding me? My mom's like, okay. And while we're here, we'll meet the manager. Maybe if there's an audition, maybe we'll go. I mean, write the trip off as a tax, as a tax expense. Um, if you can. So we, uh, so we meet the manager. She says, I really need to get more tape on you. I mean, the tape that you did, you know, was, is fine, but we need something else. So why don't you come to the set of full house? I have wow. connections. You can meet the people. You would sit on this couch on the Paisley gingham couch, the gingham couch with um, the blue and, and white checks. And we'll, they'll, as a favor, film you doing this 
monologue from Irreconcilable Differences. It's the monologue where the young Drew Barrymore divorces her parents and it's very sad and very emotional. And I could cry like drop of a hat. That was like the one skill I really had as a child. And um, so I said, okay, great. I'm meeting John Stamos and I'm getting pictures and oh my God, Jody Sweeten. And like, I'm literally like in heaven. This is like for an 11 year old who watched all these shows. It's like, you know, um, and, uh, and I, then they all go off to lunch and I sit on this couch and the, you know, I do two takes of this monologue and they shoot me and it's, thank you very much. And okay. And any pressure me, sitting on that, on that couch and everything. And that- I mean, I remember vividly being in, I was so excited that day, you know? And then I remember yeah. going into the makeup room and they kind of powdered me. And I kind of remember the makeup guy being like, oh, you're here to, oh, you're here to try to make it in Hollywood. Okay. Like, and I remember there being sort of like a puff, puff, good luck, kid, you know? And I was like, I'm not really trying to do anything. I'm not trying to do anything. I'm not trying to make anything. Mm -hmm. I'm just here to, to say these words and be this character. And if it happens, it happens. If it happens, it happens. Yeah. I had no, I put no pressure on myself. I didn't, I didn't know that people got paid for this. I didn't know people wanted to do this in the way they did. I was just like, literally just living out my truth. So I'm sitting on this thing and I'm like hearing the click of the camera and I'm just, you know, I do the thing and it's great and they get it and whatever. And we go home and it's, it's mm. great. Like there's, I had the, I had the greatest time ever. So about three weeks later, unbeknownst to me, the producer, Bob Boyette, who produced a million things, by the way, I'll give you a little TV history, Laverne and Shirley, happy days, uh, perfect strangers, full house, family matters, step-by-step, the list goes on and on and on um, amongst tons of Broadway. So He's in the control booth as I'm doing this monologue. Oh, wow. Talk about the craziest serendipity ever. And he's like, who's this girl and why is she crying? Like, oh, we're doing a favor for so-and-so. Oh, okay, no problem. He walks off, goes about his day. Three weeks later, they're looking for this character and they can't find her. And they're they're testing everybody in Los Angeles and they can't find anyone. And he goes, who was that girl who was in that booth? Someone find me that tape. Wow. I mean, come on. It's like needle in a haystack. So, um, so I get home from school, Bob Boyett saw your tape. They want you to come out to Los Angeles. They think you might be right for this show and read for them. And I'm like, dad, that's crazy. Nobody goes across the country to audition for anything. (laughs) So like, you know, that's nuts. Right. And my dad's like, well, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. No harm, no foul. Um, but if you want to, might be kind of fun and it might be something, whether you get it or not, might be like a cool story, you know? So again, there was zero pressure. And I was like, well, I have to feed my friend's dog. I mean, did I set the frog? How could I possibly? My plate is very full. Um, but anyway, we worked out the details. I ended up going. Uh, I did the audition. I remember I went in. I read the lines. They laughed. I walked out. They said, well, do you want to see her again? Because she doesn't live here. And they're like, yeah, let's do it one more time. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. I went in and I read the lines and they laughed the same way. And I walked out. <laughs> And they said, okay, thank you very much. I said, okay, bye. We went back to our hotel. We were getting ready to leave like a day later or something. And the next morning we got a call saying I booked the pilot and we were there for two weeks and it was amazing. And I was at Magic Mountain two days later filming the title sequence that everybody knows and not being able to ride any of the rides because it was a liability. Um, So it was like the greatest day. And then also like, what do you mean? I can't ride a ride. Are you nuts? They're like, no, you'll be in the ball pit. I'm like, I'm 11. No one goes in a ball pit at 11. Angela Watson's like, I'm 15. How do you think I feel? Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they're, you know, they're kind of 
started this next, you know, seven years of my life, unbeknownst to me. I mean, made the pilot and then like, you know, two, three months later, they picked it up. And my mom and I were like, wait, what? Now, what do we do? And it just started like a whole different path of my life. And we, you know, we came out, we rented an apartment, we rented plates, forks, knives, napkins, sheets, everything until mm. we knew like, what's going to happen. You could come out for two weeks and then they were like, nah, it's, it's, it's toast. We canceled it. So it was a real, like, what's going on. Um, and we worked it out and we eventually got used to that routine. And I went back and forth from Atlanta and I went to a real school and I had real friends and I, it weren't in the business and all of that. And uh, I kind of balanced that life. So that's a very long winded answer to your question. So for, for, for a 12 year old booking a show like this, and not only that, it's gonna be like on TGI, TGIF Friday nights. Like yeah. what was like, what was going through you? Like emotions? Like, what was it like? Oh my God. I'm like, Oh pressure. my God, I peaked. That's it. I peaked. I'm like, this is the greatest thing that could ever happen to me. I was like, I can't even, I can't even like comprehend. This is what I watch every Friday night. And now I'm going to be on it. Like it was too much. It just like, it was like, you know, my mind like exploded. I couldn't, I couldn't even believe. I just felt like I was, I mean, I, I was so lucky in so many ways because it's exactly like my zeitgeist. It'd be like if you were a, you know, a huge Yankees fan and all of a sudden like, you know what? We want you on the Yankees. You'd be like, what the heck me? Um, so yeah, I mean, it was incredibly exciting. And on the other side of it, I had been working. So I wasn't, I wasn't completely, I'd done TV movies. I had done lots of commercials. I mean, I wasn't completely green to the way that sets worked. Um, it wasn't like the first time I had ever acted or anything before. So there is two sides of it, right? There's the side that you see. And then there's the side that, that is the work side that is nothing like what you see really. It's like, um, it's like, you know, making a quilt and then looking at a beautiful quilt, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's like, it's like messy and, and, you know, um, but I have to say the entire experience of it, top to bottom, uh, fabulous. I had, oh, I had a fabulous childhood. Uh, I had, and I attribute that to our producers and I attribute that to Suzanne Summers and Patrick Duffy, 100%, because we came to work in a, such a pleasant place that wasn't filled with ego, that was filled with fun and laughter and joking around and ribbing each other and family and community and love. And it, it really was like that. We were very, I was very, very lucky because it's, it's not it's always a good like fam- that. It's a good family show. Yeah, that's what it, it, that's was. What it was. To this it day, was. so like, in, like it's we it's on Hulu right now. Like, there's times where yeah. I put it on, and my daughter will come and sit down with me to watch it. She's about to be six, and she's like, "What are you watching?" Like, so I try to like introduce her to some of '90s shows lately. We like yeah. we just binge watch Save by the Bell. She wanted to Great. watch that. Totally. So now we started Boy Meets World, and my wife's like, "You should put Step by Step on. You should put Full House on." I'm like, yeah, that's the yeah. plan eventually. Yeah, so, I know. I mean, my daughter's a little young. She just turned five. So I may try it again. But like I've shown her a couple episodes um, and she was like, yeah, it was pretty good. And I said, do you want to watch another? And she's like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Which You'd is rather great, watch Mickey great. or something like that. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> you said met, you mentioned Patrick Duffy. Today's his birthday. Did you call him? That's right. Today is his birthday. I'm glad you reminded me. No, but I always I always do. I always send him some kind of a, uh, you know, a message or a, um, a picture or whatever. He's awesome. We have, he's just, he's just salt of the earth, you know, great guy. Um, 
so with this show, like, has there been talks about maybe like doing a reunion or anything like that? People would told me to ask you this question. So I had to ask uh-huh. this. Maybe you have some clues you know, for us. I don't. I like, I, it's so funny because people have asked this question for years now. I think the nineties, I thought it was just going to be a fad that like nineties was like back, you know, but I, it seems like it is here to stay for at least another hot minute. Um, and I think with like the success of Fuller House, it was an obvious question. Um, it's sort of been, it's been talked about, but never really, really in like a real way where people yeah. have like approached, you know, how it would happen. Um, I know that in, in my own discussions with, you know, Patrick Duffy, uh, that he was like, the last time I spoke to him about it, he's like, yeah, if it's the right script and the right thing, he's like, I would be totally down. Even Stacy, who is gone, she has a completely different career now. She was like, I think we could make it work. <laughs> I know Angela would do it. Like I, you know, so I think there's, I think there's actually a version of it that could be like what you saw in the full house version, which is like the kids yeah. now blending their own families together or in some way, you know, I think there's that version. And I think there's also another version that's entirely different, but with the, you know, the same kind of idea of blending families. I mean, we talk more now, I mean, the idea of just a blended family in the nineties was and divorce was a topic that people hadn't really touched. Right. And so I think for a lot of kids who were suddenly thrust into this, like, um, I have these step siblings and I either like them or don't like them or whatever it is, it was a place for them to land where divorce wasn't such an ugly word. And now I think we're talking even more about, you know, we're, we're blending families that have different racial backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, you know? So I think that there's even a wider world of blending two families from two completely different sides of the universe. And like, how do we, how do we meld? How do we share our our cultural preferences Mm -hmm. or religious beliefs or ideas about reality? Um, You know, I think like maybe there's a, maybe there's a even more significant way to, to reboot it in a, for a world Mm -hmm. like in which we live in now. So we talk a lot about, you know, I think in the news or the media about inclusion, about, you know, trying to trying to mend the fences of America. Um, yeah. So so maybe we'll, someone will come up with some kind of clever idea and I'll, I'd be happy to direct it. I was gonna say you could write it too, but you could add that to your resume too, writer, yeah, director, yeah. might as well, right? <laughs> maybe so. <laughs> um, speaking, you mentioned Angela, I noticed that you had her on your podcast when you were doing it for a while, then you took a break on the pod. Are you gonna bring, bring it back or what? I think we might, you know, we took a pretty significant break. I, um, my, my partner, Allah, had to leave town for a while. He went to Florida to help out his parents. And now he's he's um, working on a, a film up in uh, Vancouver. So it's been a little hard to get our schedules together. And, uh, you know, so I think we're going to come back. We just we've taken a little more of a significant break than I thought we would. Um, and then I was directing a bunch and I can't do anything when I'm directing. So yeah. I think we will. But we'll we'll see. Probably soon. It was great to have her on, though. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it was it's just been so nice reconnecting with her. It's really been amazing. Um, as I, you know, said on my pod, like we were estranged for many years and just to have her back in my life is such a blessing. And I think, I think she would say just for her to be back in her own life, you know, I think she was really, um, I think she was really taken out of her own reality for a long time. Uh, and her family, she was estranged from them. So it's, um, there's definitely a story in there. That's, that's for sure. But, um, happier days ahead for her. 
Definitely. The cool thing about your show too is like you brought like you felt like every guest was like from the nineties. So it's cool just yeah. to go back and listen to it. You know, you had your friend Jody on, like you mentioned. Yep. I'm trying to remember who else you had on uh Seventh Heaven. I can't remember her name right now. Uh oh yeah, we had Beverly, yeah. Jody. Yeah, that's right. Um we had some really great guests. Um, I mean, so many fun people that are just, you know, friends of mine throughout the years uh, who I've worked with. But yeah, certainly those 90s guests. I mean, Danielle's been an official, has been a friend of mine for years. Um, it's yeah, it's weird. There's this documentary out right now that I want to see uh, that a friend just told me about. And I'm like, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see like how I, you know, if there's anything sort of like, oh, man, I remember that time or like I remember that moment. Um, Soleil Moon Fry made this documentary called 90s Kid. I, I heard about it the other day. Yeah. And I can't wait to see it. But like, I remember, it, I guess she was taking video, like home movies, basically, for her whole childhood, which is like so smart. Uh, she documented everything, which is amazing. Um, and I remember her at Angela Watson and Brandon Call had a joint birthday party. I think they were turning like 15 and 16 or something, or maybe it was double sweet 16. I don't know. They had this birthday party. I was very young and I have the most insane pictures from it. Um, it was at an American Foreign Legion in Burbank, Leonardo DiCaprio, oh, wow. um, Toby McGuire, Soleil Moon Fry, Gary Coleman, um, uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Uh, I mean, the, the, the amount of people that were there was it was crazy. It yeah. was like who's who in young Hollywood at that time. And I was too young to know anything about it. I mean, I was just wearing like leggings and trying to, you know, eat donuts. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's really like it's a it's a strange thing because people assume like you know everyone into and in a way you do because it's your social life. You it's you, you're working and you're like you know, you're at with a studio teacher. You don't go to a real school when you work in this business, um, when you're working anyway. So that's like your weekends are going to, yeah. going to, you know, either like a, a friend's birthday party, a studio party, or a, um, like a charity event. And that's really where I met most of my friends, like wow. Danielle. And you'd be like, oh, you know, you get to see the same people over and over. It's like your mixer. It's weird, I guess. So out of all the many hats that you wear, what's the most you enjoy? Like, which like, you know, because I mentioned acting, producing, directing, what's your main one that you enjoy the most? Or is there, um, do you have like different days, different things? <laughs> well, the one I enjoy the most is mom, for sure. Um, but I, I do like to work. I'm someone who, you know, I like to put in my mom time. And then yeah. I like to be like, oh, all right, got a job, got a gig, kids, got to go to work. Mom is going to work. And then I like to come back and like, you know, nest yeah. with them, which is, which is what's great because my job isn't always nine to five um, every day. I, I, I think like lately directing has been the thing that has provided me uh, the most joy because I'm a person that likes to put together a puzzle and that has been, yeah. And that's been really, it's a challenge for me. And I am, I'm, I've just, I've really relished being able to do that. And I like, I like actors. I like working with actors. I like, um, especially you get to work with some really funny actors and they're giving you really funny stuff and it sparks something in your head. And then you're yeah. like, hold on, wait, try this. Try one where you do this. And you're just like playing and having, you know, having fun. Like I got to work with Paul Shear and uh, June, um, uh, uh, Diane Raphael, his wife on the Goldbergs. And they were in a scene together and they're both such funny improv actors. So it's the two of them and Wendy McClendon and Haley Honorata and Jeff Goldberg um, 
and I'm sorry, Jeff Garland. And, but just like the two of them together, just knowing each other, but they were like adversaries in the scene was, I mean, it was like, it was too much funny. It was just like one of the greatest days. It was, it was yeah. awesome. And I feel the way that same way when I get to like, these are like TV legends. These are people that are such at the top of their game. Yeah. So that provides me a lot of joy. Um, but you know, like I think for a long time, acting was just kind of what I did and aside from sort of some of the the theater stuff I did I got into a mode especially when I was in maybe like my late like my mid to late 20s where it just became a grind you know Mm. the audition process and the competition and it just all and who's going in for what and who's hot and who's this it just became like it became a demoralizing grind and it wasn't fun anymore and I had I almost like had to reset my brain around that. Makes sense. And yeah. I think like doing my own stuff and kind of, you know, I created my own series that I sold and I, you know, I was doing theater a lot and getting, you know, a really fulfilled uh, create creatively, um, creatively doing that. And, and then I think certainly starting to direct more when I was seeing the bigger picture of it all, it's almost like now I've been able to circle back and appreciate acting back again for what it is. So you know, I'll get pulled into something. I'll get an audition every now and then and be like, oh, that sounds like fun. Sure. Why not? You know, that'd be a good time, but I have a different appreciation for it. I think, mm-hmm. cause I I've seen it from the other side. And you've done so cameos like the Goldbergs. You had a scene in the Goldbergs. Yes. Well, that's fun. That's a funny story. Cause you know, I've never asked to be on this show or anything, but um, they, we were, sh- I was directing that episode and um <laughs> and they had this one role, you know, where um, George Siegel is, he's feeling young again. It's the whole cocoon <laughs> moment. And he sees this, you know, woman walking by and he dips her and blah, blah, blah. But we're in COVID. And no one's been vaccinated at that point because it's the fall. And so it's like kind of scary for everyone. And George Siegel is a legend in television and a wonderful human being. And it's just so lovely to work with. And he was the A story that week, which means I had him a lot. And we had to be very careful with George because he's, he's older. Um, and so the idea of them casting someone who had dance ability, who could also need to be quite close to George was, we talked about it a lot, you know? And I said, this person really has to have some kind of dance ability because mm. I want a twirl and a dip and a thing. And they go, well, can you just do it? <laughs> I, said, I can, if you want me to. Do I need to be in the movie? I don't need to be, but if you want me to be in the movie, I like, will you, it would just be, it would be great. And then you can feel comfortable and George knows you. And, and I was like, yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, I was very flattered too, because I, I, it's like a, it's like a legendary moment that I'll get to look back and be like, ah, I got to be different, you know, George Siegel. So, um, so it was, it was quite cool, but it was, it was also on the day quite hard because I had to set the shot, run to a trailer change come back have my first ad call it then i'm acting and doing a thing and then i'm like wait how did it look i mean it was like <laughs> oh my god i'm wearing too many hats i went yeah. and that was something that i i don't know directors who can also act in their own films i don't understand i don't i'm not there yet i could never do that for an entire film that would make me nuts you also directed a few episodes of school schooled which i was mad when that got canceled oh. i know it was a great show it was really it was really really fun and I had such a blast doing it. Um, again, you know, such a such a fun cast and like AJ, she's like ultimate pro. And I obviously I had directed her on the Goldbergs too, but she's just like 
she was so fun to work with. She's like a Wendy. She can do anything. Mm. She knows all of her lines. She's so prepared. She can sing. She can act. She can, you know, she can move. She's just like, you throw anything at her, she can do it. And that's like a dream as a director. Yeah. Um, and it took you back so, to yeah. the 90s too. Yeah. And I got to like revisit all the 90s, like, you know, the tropes and the, the yeah. nostalgia. And the Did you have any input in and... any of that stuff? <laughs> um. Not really. I mean, they were pretty set on their storylines, but I definitely like the, you know, the swingers episode that we did. There were two young kids in the episode. They're supposed to be playing like freshmen. And I'm like, they're like, you're so money, baby. They're saying all this stuff. And I'm like, so you guys have seen swingers, right? And they're like, no, no. of course you haven't seen swingers. It's an R rated movie. And you're like 13. I was like, oh, okay, come over here. I need to show you a scene from swingers. You need to understand this is in a, this is a movie that's in its own lane, like all by itself. Right. And it was like a cultural phenomenon. And it, like, I went to the Derby when I was 15 uh, and was doing, like, I was doing swing dancing during like the height of all that zeitgeist. And like, everyone was trying to get to the Dresden and everyone wanted yeah. to be money. And like, we were going, you know, everyone was finding <laughs> yeah. like vintage shirts and, right. you know, I mean, I this was like that. a yeah. thing in Los yeah. Angeles for real. And um, anyway, so, uh, so I'm like, I'm like trying to get them on board and we're watching this scene. And then all these expletives, are happening and I'm like uh, uh, I'm looking at them and I'm looking at their moms who are over here and I was like anyway it's, it's a thing right it's a thing so <laughs> having this Crazy. moment with them but like you know just trying to I was like this is what it means it means like you're so fly you know you're so fresh mm. you're so so I'm trying I was trying it was a funny moment of them just having zero idea of what I was talking about <laughs> so what's so what's left for you now you're gonna jump in me in the stunt world or you start doing your own stunts too no, I think we're good on that. Um, I, uh, no, I've, I started, I was directing something for Apple at the top of the year, um, which I can't really talk about, but uh, it's a really fun show. And I'll, I'll go back to that. I think next month I'll do a little bit more of that. And um, yeah, just whatever, whatever's next. I've got some voiceover stuff I'm doing. Like I'm still keeping my toes and everything, but I'm, I'm a little more discerning when it comes to time that it takes away from my kids. Oh, yeah, um, because as you, as you know, all the time oh, yeah. that it takes away from them is still time that's valuable. Right. So, uh, but I love what I do and I'm really, you know, I'm really fortunate and really grateful to do something that I love. And, and it's a good thing to you still... say you're hungry about it. So you want to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned so. voiceover. Let's talk a little about that before we end this, uh, how sure. fun is voiceover work? I know you've done like uh, video games and cartoons, family guy. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, I started doing voiceover work maybe God, 12, 13 years ago. I mean, family guy is the gift that keeps on giving. Um, it is a blessing that job and to be part of such a huge, a very tiny part of such a huge, you know, yeah. cultural phenomenon is, is it's still super going. fun. <laughs> still going. And, uh, and one of those things that people are always like, Oh my God, I heard you the other night. I thought I was falling asleep. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Um, but, uh, so that's, I mean, that's amazing. The thing that's, that's so great about it. And, you know, I've done probably over almost a hundred audiobooks at this point, wow. I read a lot of audiobooks, Um, and that's kind of been my other sort of like side thing in between stuff. And the thing that I, I just love about it so much is that it like goes back to my theater days. It's like doing, you know, a radio show or you, you get into this story, you get into the narrative of the story and the, you know, when you have a really great author that sets that stage and I'm along for the ride and then I've got all these characters in my head 
and they, I know what they look like and I know how they act and I know the kinds mm-hmm. of things they say. And I'm almost like, as I'm, as I'm doing their voice, I'm kind of, you know, I'm feeling like what they would be like. So I get to play an old man and, you know, a young girl and, um, you know, uh, like a, a, a woman my age and a, like a, a skater kid. Like I get to do all of these things in one project. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's like an actor's dream because there's you, no you can limitations. think about it how you want to play it, too. Yeah. And there's no limitations on your physicality, which, you know, from up until that point, every limitation was basically, you know, well, she's great. She's too young. She's too old. She's not yeah. tall enough or whatever. Right. So it's like it took all of that away. And um, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a really fun gig. Awesome. Uh, lastly, how can the viewers and the listeners find you on uh, social, social media? So I'm at Yo Lakin. Yo Lakin. There you go. Uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and I have an official Facebook page, which is also Yo Lakin. That's awesome. Christine, this was yeah. great. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Super fun. I appreciate it. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast. And our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time.